There's been no scientific rigor whatsoever. And what does that suggest to you about the authenticity of this as a legitimate pandemic? So it's pandemic, scandemic. You can't catch COVID-19 unless it's been injected into you. Science studies have shown that you're more likely to catch it in your house with your family than doing this bizarre social distancing. So this is a completely illegal, unlawful lockdown. And people should get off their knees, get outside in numbers and go, we're going back to work. Ready to live at the higher vibrations, where peace, love, joy, and good health are the daily standard? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to Vibe. And here's your host, Robin Openshaw. Hey everyone, Robin Openshaw here and welcome back to the Vibe Show. I hope you're signed up to do our group fast together. We are joining our intention together to, to heal the suffering in the world. I know that there is um, anxiety in most families, probably in most of my listeners, if not all. We are all trying to find our way through this together. There's a lot to learn. Um, my private group on Facebook is called Supporting You in 2020 Crisis. It's not a place to show up if what you're getting in the mainstream media is satisfactory to you. If you absolutely trust your government and you don't want more information, don't go to that page. However, if you're questioning why we canceled the economy all over the world for two months, and was that a smart thing to do, and what's really going on with this virus, show up over on our private group called Supporting You in 2020 Crisis on Facebook, and also sign up for our fast. It's coming up May 14th to the 24th, and it's free. You can just water fast. You can do any kind of fast you want. Definitely be there for the support and the best intentions of all of us coming together to direct some healing energy and some energy of wisdom to the leaders all over the world that are making decisions right now that impact every single one of us. So it's non-denominational. It is not driven by any agenda. Um, it is a kind, loving, supportive place to do a fast together. You can pick any three days that you want out of that uh, 10 days that we're supporting, May 14th to the 24th, but sign up at greensmoothiegirl.com slash fast. Make sure you get on there, greensmoothiegirl.com slash fast, and choose your three days. Pick up a Green Smoothie Girl flash fast if that serves you. You're going to get five small mini meals a day for the three days of your flash fast. Average person loses four pounds and experiences a wide range of well-proven health benefits, including less brain fog, um, not having those ups and downs in our mood. It's a great reset for your hormone system. Even though the reason we're coming together is really to join together in group intention. I was actually supposed to interview Lynn McTaggart today and we're having to delay. She, she uh, canceled and we're going to interview her another time. I hope to have her in there one evening at 5 p.m. Mountain doing a little devotional because she's done a bunch of experiments on how when people join together in group intention, whether that's through a meditation or prayer or all of us putting the same vibrations out into, uh, into the world that it actually affects outcomes. And this has been proven over and over again. So we'll have her here on the vibe show very soon, but I'm hoping to get her in that group fast as well. So one last thing before we get into our interview I have put our emergency preparedness kit 
at one third off for our podcast listeners. And you can get it at greensmoothiegirl.com slash prepare. It's greensmoothiegirl.com slash prepare. It'll be in the show notes, but feel free to stock up at one third off. The reason to do this is if we have the fuel shortages that are predicted, um, we may have a hard time ordering anything. Even Amazon can't ship when there's no fuel or when there's fuel shortages. So we need to be prepared. There are The UN has said we have famines coming of biblical proportions. And so I feel very strongly that even though it's an uncomfortable topic to talk about, that we need to be prepared. We need to convert some of our cash. You know, in America, we have our leaders are pumping trillions of dollars of fake cash into our system. It will affect the power of the dollar. It will affect how much a dollar is worth. And I think having extra food on hand will not only give you some peace of mind, but it will also let your family get through some hard times. If you don't have electricity, if you don't have a blender, if you can't cook for a while, if you can't get produce, really high nutrition food at the grocery store, then have our emergency preparedness kit on hand. You're getting with it for one third off enough food to eat three times a day to get you through a week. So stock up right now. You can get any of our proteins, whichever ones you like. Um, my favorites are the plant-based proteins, but then, you know, I, I eat only plants. Uh, we also have amazing, delicious bone broth proteins, the best bone broth out there, um, lightly sweetened with monk fruit. Use these if you can get greens or edibles outside. You know, in a worst case scenario, if we can't get the healthy foods that we're used to blending in our blender, you can use a blender bottle and shake this up. You're adding to that. You get two items with your emergency preparedness kit, one protein and one either sprouted flax and everything is organic. Everything is sprouted. This is like the highest nutrition you can possibly get in a package with a long shelf life. You can either get sprouted flax or our triomega, which is sprouted broccoli, chia, and flaxseed. It's one third off and you can get it at greensmoothiegirl.com slash prepare. Again, it's all organic and this will help um, you feel like no matter what happens, you can keep your family fed. And these uh, shakes that you can make three times a day, if you were in a worst case scenario, or if you had to leave your home, super easy to be portable and take this with you in a backpack. Um, this is how I am getting my kids through the summer and how I'm not so worried with them driving across the country with all of this uncertainty we've got going on. I sent them with these emergency preparedness kits and they were also really grateful. So it's a great thing to send your adult kids. Um, I would like to be prepared ahead of time for whatever happens. And we'll all of course pray and fast in our upcoming fast that there aren't food shortages and that there aren't fuel shortages. So with that, I'd like to introduce you to my new friend. She goes by Nurse Kate, natural nurse in a toxic world, but her name is Kate Shimrani. She lives in the UK and of everybody out there who is speaking up about what's going on with this COVID-19 outbreak, she is the most vocal. She pulls no punches. She's going to tell you things that um, she doesn't really care whether they hurt anybody's feelings or not, she feels very strongly that we need to speak up on behalf of our children's and grandchildren's futures. Uh, she's about my age, a year older, but she's a registered nurse with 35 years of experience. She opted out of a lot of the standard of care 
protocol when she was diagnosed with a very aggressive breast cancer some years ago. She's going to tell us what she did instead. She did have a double mastectomy, but she went into the hospital with the protocol for the Gerson therapy and the China study, which is the biggest nutrition study in history. I hope you've all read the book done by Oxford and Cornell uh, by T. Colin Campbell, a friend of mine and Somehow I've never interviewed him here on this show. I need to see if I can make that happen again. Um, but I was went to lectures he did here in Utah and have spoken with him on the phone. Very high integrity research. She read those two and decided to opt out of the chemo that she was being uh, that, that was being recommended to her. She's a Christian. She talks openly about that, and that's less common over in Europe than it, than it is here in the U.S. So she really changed her mind about her life. She changed her mind and her viewpoint on allopathic medicine that she had devoted her whole career to. And she really now speaks up about some of the fraudulent things she hears happening with regard to the data on the COVID-19 outbreak. So the main thing that I wanted to talk to Kate about is what she and others are experiencing over in the UK, because in Europe, they're in a much more advanced state of having lost their rights. And there, but for the grace of God, go I. Let's have a conversation with, with Nurse Kate about how we can stand up for our rights and for our freedoms. So welcome to The Vibe Show, Kate Shemirani. You go by Natural Nurse in a Toxic World. Tell me all about that. Tell me your story with cancer and you used to be a standard of care nurse, weren't you? And then what happened? Tell us the, tell us the story. Uh, hi, Robin. Thank you for having me on. Um, yeah, I'm Kay Allison Shemirani, known as Kate. I'm 54 years old, mom to four uh, older, older teenagers, one in his early 20s. So when I was... Um, I'd be sorry, I trained as a nurse initially when I was 19. So when I was 46 years old, I was diagnosed with a lobular invasive grade three breast cancer with a high pleomorphic presentation. So because I had private health care, we had a really good standard of living. My ex-husband worked in banking. Off I went to what I thought was the best hospital in the UK and certainly one of the leading places in, in the world, the London Oncology Clinic. I had a double mastectomy and a reconstruction immediate. And I was to take him to the hospital with me because my ex-husband was absolutely the consummate scientist. I was to take him to the hospital. Uh, Dr. Max Gerson's a report of 50 cases and the China study. Uh, on day two, I started to read them and it was to change my life. I signed myself out with five drains, which was never the best thing to do. But a week later, I had refused chemo, radio, tamoxifen, Zolodex after reading three studies that said that my survival was 20% at two years and zero at five, should I take the full menu of what was being offered? So I commenced the full Gerson therapy for two years, B17 tablet protocol for two years, high dose vitamin C, oral vitamin C for two years and mistletoe injections for one year. Now stop, stop for those who don't know what it is and, and talk for just a minute about what the Gerson therapy is and why B17, what, what that protocol is about. Okay, so the Gerson therapy is, it's a fat-free, salt-free, sugar-free vegan diet for the first six weeks. After six weeks, you incorporate in 200 mils of fat-free yogurt. You have 13 juices a day. They're very specific. You do five coffee enemas a day. Uh, you do two castor oil enemas a week. And I had over 100 supplements. And the, the whole rationale for the therapy is that you are so toxic, you can no longer generate an immune response. Sugar in the presence of oxygen in the cells generates ATP 
adenosine triphosphate, and that's what helps you to um, generate this immune response enough to kill a cancer cell. We all have cancer cells. Our immunity recognizes that, that damage in the cell, and it either repairs it or it causes apoptosis before it divides. Once it divides, it becomes a mutation, and then it will keep growing until you have a palpable, detectable tumor. So that was the, the rationale was to um, replenish my body with the vitamins and minerals it needed and to detox my body. Um, <clears throat> the B17, of course, is uh, vitamin B17. And inside B17, it has four molecule, molecules, has glucose, glucose, benzaldehyde, and, and cyanide. The benzaldehyde and cyanide are completely inert, they're inactive. But when they come into contact with beta-glucosidase, which is found in 3,000 times greater the quantity in cancer cells, Synergy occurs, they become active, and they go in and they kill the cell. That then um, filters through the liver, helps to control pain, helps to control your blood pressure, and it's converted to B12. So that's one from uh, God's table. Uh, the vitamin C, of course, is an antioxidant, so that when we have oxidative stress, when we have damage to our cells, and those cells become free radicals, it's to repair the damage. So mistletoe, the rationale, Iskador, is that it raises the body temperature. It causes the body to have a pyrexia. And cancer cells are killed at high temperature. Remember that our body, when, when we need to um, have a, an immune reaction, we, we raise the body temperature. And when that's all done, the hypothalamus resets and we sweat profusely to call, cause cooling. So this high temperature in cancer patients, and I could equate this to my my nursing experience, they very rarely get a high temperature. They just have this low-grade pyrexia. So the mistletoe, I would take it one day, and 12 hours later, I would have a really high temperature. The reason I actually stopped that, because I believe Suzanne Summers used that same treatment, I stopped it because Dr. Gerson wanted to bring the body where it could, it could have an immune response all on its own, and to push the body to do it would use up more energy that was required for... Um, killing cancer cells anyway. So I stopped that after one year. Okay. So you stopped it after a year. You, you feel like you're returned to health because you're absolutely vibrant and beautiful and healthy now. Well, uh, I stopped the, the mistletoe, the Gerson therapy. I continued for two years, the 13 juices. Okay. Then the next two years I was still doing, the next three years I was still doing nine juices and, and then maybe seven juices. And today I still do on average, I'll do at least uh, eight, eight juices a day. Wow. So maybe five days out of seven. And I still do one to two coffee enemas every single day. Okay. That was going to be my other question. And so you, you do this maintenance wise, but you're, you're healthy and back to everything that you ever wanted to do. Now you have become very outspoken in the COVID-19 uh, thing. And I'll tell you what, you and I are some of the few. And I probably have had a hundred to one colleagues and other health and wellness influencers and other authors come to me and say, thank you so much for speaking up, but they aren't willing to, they aren't willing to. I think there'll come a time when more people will be courageous, but you are right out there. You are, are very outspoken. Before we get into that, and I really want uh, listeners of this podcast to understand because most of them are in North America. I want them to understand from you what's going on in Europe because the slide into socialism and just sort of a police state is far more advanced than just the beginning stages we see of that in the U.S. And I want you to talk about that. But can you talk just a little bit about how that experience you had of being 
treated for cancer, you opted out of the chemo, you did a bunch of natural things, I would assume that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, that you credit those with your return to health. And so then what happened in terms of your approach to nursing? Maybe you weren't working as a nurse anymore, but I I would imagine you've radically changed how you see healthcare as a result. Well, I, I had an aesthetics business because I'd gone into, I'd not worked for eight years because I had four children within three and a half years. So I'd been a full-time mummy. I then went back to university to get back my my registration. I returned to practice, uh, my license. And I'd opened an aesthetics business because it allowed me to work around my children. So I was self-employed doing, you know, Botox, filler, peels. And uh, when I had cancer um, and I started to research and, and, and literally I went down a rabbit hole like I would have never have imagined. I looked at the entire history of medicine and I had to unlearn what I'd, what I'd learned, but also I realized that I had such a huge gap in my knowledge base. I didn't know how to heal a body. I only knew how to apply a drug. And, uh, and even nursing had, had moved so far away from um, healing a patient. I knew nothing about nutrition apart from what I'd taught myself when my kids were young, reading books for my kids' health. But I realized doctors and nurses, they didn't know how to apply nutrition. They didn't even get taught that in med school. One, I think uh, one, one of the things I looked at was several universities did half a day on it in the five years med school and the others did nothing. So um, when I then started to go back to work, I then picked up my aesthetic patients again, but, but I then did a, a personal nutrition diploma, which it didn't really, it hasn't served me. It just gave me letters after my name. And I've also been to university and done my independent nurse prescriber, which, so I'm allowed to prescribe drugs, but that was for my um, aesthetics business. But that gave me an even greater insight into the danger that is pharmaceutical drugs. And what I then saw was that um, the whole, even the oncologist, I argued with the oncologist, I began arguing with everyone, I believe, uh, realized it was all very corrupt, lots of backhands for money. And that really, that's all you were. It was all about uh, making you sick, keeping you sick, and uh, then disposing of you and letting you pay for the whole experience along the way. So I, I then looked into why did I get cancer? And I'd actually worked for an airline as well. And my ex-colleagues were 10 times the national average for cancer. So what was the correlation between them having a much, even though it's one in two, get cancer in the UK. And the thing it took me back to was the vaccines. And, and so I started to research what was in vaccines and that kind of blew my mind because of my children. And at that point, everything changed. I just had to completely um, do a, an about turn. And I've never hid that I do aesthetics because the difference was those clients made a true and informed consent. But of course, in medicine, what we call allopathic medicine, modern medicine, um, th- there is no true informed consent. It's all lies. Uh, it, it's all about money. Patients aren't really told the real outcomes or what their percentages are. Even the, you know, the the medical elite own are owned by pharma. So the big pharma choose the medical elite. The medical elite choose who gets the top jobs. They choose who gets to publish in the magazines. Those who wish to speak out or can refute what is being printed, they'll have their livelihoods ruined, their reputations ruined, and they have indeed lost their lives. So I realised that this was just another gangster takeover the big pharma um, and that was where I built up my nutrition business alongside my aesthetics which now it's overtaken the aesthetics which was the plan I mean I, I've never hit it because a girl's got to eat I'm a single parent with four children and uh, so I, my my thing was to to reverse disease and, and reverse degenerative disease and help people to de- detox which is what I do 
And, um, and then of course, uh, I, I'm very anti-vaccine because I know what's in it. And I'm very, very vocal on um, law and ethics in nursing. So when nurses turn around and they, it's the same old thing in the Nazi camps, we were just doing our job. As nurses, we are accountable in a court of law for our acts and our omissions. And as pharmaceutical companies cannot be held responsible for the vaccine injuries, so if the nurse is delivering that vaccine, be it the flu vaccine, be it any vaccine, unless she's told a patient exactly what is in it, exactly what those chemicals will do to the body, then in a court of law, that's medical battery. But of course, the nurses are ignorant. They don't know. A lot of the doctors don't know. And they're just taking it as somebody else saying, this is good for you. So I really had up until the, the um, point where, you know, we were told this was a pandemic. I was already very vocal about all of that. I presented on local radio as the health and wellness expert once a month. And, uh, and then this um, pandemic, scandemic um, came about. I, I already, incidentally, what my ex-husband, one of the best things, like I said, was he was such a researcher and he'd already started going down the rabbit holes of looking at um, who is the real government of the world, the committee of 300, the banking system, how wars are generated who's in charge of it all, who deals with it all. My ex-husband's Iranian. And, uh, and that was how he found the Gerson therapy. So I'd already had a bit of a, um, an education in the New World Order, the Illuminati, the top families, who owns what, all the corruption, the murders, the um, genocide. So I already knew all of that. But I was, I don't know why, it was quite ignorant of me to think that it wouldn't happen in my lifetime. Because once I knew most of what I knew, I'd already had four children and, and I had said at one stage, if I knew then what I know now, I would have never brought children into this world. But I think that's quite an easy cop out because this is God's world. And so it's my duty to do something about the lies and tyranny and I won't die on my knees to it. So, um, like I say, I'd already had a baptism of fire knowing it all. So when all of the doo-doo hit the fan recently, then I was kind of ready and, and, for me, I was kind of born for this moment. This is clearly what God was paving the way for me and why I didn't die of cancer. Yeah, I have uh, had the same thought and have actually expressed that here on the podcast that I think I was born for this moment. I can't say that I'm embracing it. I can't say that I'm excited about this role. On the other hand, here we are, right? Here we are. And so, and we did bring each of us bring four children to this world. So I feel a big responsibility there. I want to back up one quick second before we get into um, what's going on in Europe that North Americans should know about. But um, you mentioned that you know, I would assume something similar is going on in Europe, and maybe I should be informed on this, but we have the 1986 Vaccine Act that made all of these pharmaceutical companies that want to get in the vaccine game, they are immune. They are protected from being, you cannot sue them. They can produce, they can produce products. Uh, they don't have to be safety and efficacy proven. And then now we have several states in the United States, Kate, I'm sure that you're aware that several states, uh, let's see, New York, California, I think Mississippi, Washington now have mandatory vaccine laws where even in California, even if you have a vaccine injured child, you cannot opt out of any of the, the vaccines in the schedule, even if your pediatrician says this child was injured by a vaccine. So does Europe also have some kind of similar law where the, these vaccine companies, wherever they are in the world... Uh, that you cannot uh, sue them? And does your government there in the UK compensate 
vaccine injured children like ours does? I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure whether they compensate, but what we we have we have certain acts here, like we have the 1939 Cancer Act. You can't tell a patient you can cure them. You literally go straight to prison. We then have the um, we have the 1984 Infectious Diseases Act, which was recently had um, an update to it where they've added about you know the coronavirus. But what we have had that's quite worrying recently was the um, Parliament has introduced some um, new acts which gives the police uh, the authority and immigration to come into your house and remove you or your family members should they, um, should they uh, think that you have this virus or that you, you do have the virus. And um, all of this has come through and, and there was uh, Matt Hancock, the health secretary, he did state I think it was last year that they were considering mandatory vaccines for all state school children. So um, that was quite a slap in the face for the working man, because does that mean that those children in private schools um, don't need to have the vaccine? So does that mean that they uh, clearly are of a different genetic makeup to the, to the state schools? Does that mean that their immunity is different? And um, my, my son actually went to Eton on a scholarship. My daughter went to Rodin on a scholarship. That's where Eton is where Boris Johnson went, all the royals go and all the top CEOs around the world, all their sons go there, very famous. And my daughter went to Rodin, which is where Margaret Thatcher went. So um, I obviously, you know, although I'm a, the daughter of a postman, my children have gone to these schools, two of them. But you cannot, you cannot say state school children have to have it, but not private school children. It's kind of an us and them. So that was um, one thing. And then, of course, by then I knew the ingredients. So I'm very anti-mandatory. And also, again, going back to um, in the UK, we have, a, the, we have the 1989 Child Protection Act, the 2004 Children's Act. And they are there to advocate always for the child. The child's uh, rights are paramount. It's the one time you can breach a patient's confidentiality if there's a child involved, the child's um, safety, etc., is paramount. It comes ahead of the adult. And that is, has been put in place to protect the child. But also something else came into play called the Gillick competency. And it was involving a, a case for contraception. But they now use that Gillick competency so that the child, if deemed competent, can consent for themselves. And they use that in vaccinations. But when I looked at that act, what's very interesting about it is if the mother states, I don't want my child to have that HPV vaccine, for example, and the child goes to school and the nurses speak to that child and that child sees their peers having it and states, well, I'd quite like to have that vaccine. Then they will deem if the child is competent, which is completely fraudulent as well. It's battery because they're just telling them about the vaccine. It's good for you. It stops you getting this. So they're not actually getting true legal informed consent, but the child can consent above the rights of the parent. Wow. So in, in this country, you only have, you have parental responsibility for the child until the child is 18. That's all. Parental responsibility. Well, I think this, I think this brings up that we probably need to take an additional approach in addition to if we don't want our children vaccinated, potentially at school, when we don't even know what's going on. In addition to here in the US, we can, well, in some states, in the state that I live in, uh, you can sign at the health department a waiver that says, 
I agree that if there's an outbreak of pertussis, for instance, that I have to bring my children out of school and keep them at home, which of course I'd be happy to do. And I raised all four of my children to adulthood without a single outbreak in any of their four schools of any of those things. But, um, you know, knew that that was, would be what, what I would do. What I was just going to say was that, that Gillick competency. So the child could consent that they want the vaccine. There's a real funny area here. But if the mother states, I don't want the, uh, sorry, I do want the child to have the vaccine and the child reads about it and then goes, I'm kind of worried about that. I, I don't want to have that vaccine. The Gillick competency doesn't go the other way. Oh, wow. So in other words, you're either competent or you're not competent. If you're competent, competent enough to say you want it, overriding your parents, then you should be a competent enough to say you don't want it, overriding your parents. But there is it doesn't work the other way. Yeah, it's it's definitely sounds like it's stacked in favor of, you know, getting the shot. And and I think, you know, what I was going to say is that I think that we also need to be educating our children. I mean, when they're eight and 12 and 16, we need to be having conversations with them. And as my older daughter tells me about how I I did a big download for her about sex. And she said, Mom, you get, you did. You had one great conversation with me and I needed a lot more conversations than that. And And that brings me to this topic that I think we need to educate our children. I'm not saying educate them like, you know, do not have a shot at any cost, but rather something less fear oriented than that. So they don't, they don't go into limbic brain, but we educate them about what's in the shot, why mom is concerned about it, why mom has chosen for you not to have these shots. Here's what to do if anybody tries to force a shot on you. It sounds like in the UK that parents need to be talking to their children about that because they could be they could be vaccinated at school, even though the parent has said they don't want the don't want the injections, right? The problem is with the schools. It's like I said, you don't have parental rights. You have parental responsibility. So what they do is you get these mafia uh, nurses going with these ridiculous little leaflets, which are geared at making it seem it's trendy and it's the thing to do. And then the, the children have peer pressure. Now in the in the winter months, they have a flu mist. And they, I believe they stopped that in America. And they have this flu mess that they squirt up the children's nose. And the way the parents get around that is they just don't send the children to school. So they have these um, flu mist vaccines going on. And, and I mean, the parents, it's, they're almost bullied. And I know from a nurse as well, he was telling me they almost bully the elderly as well. And, and we have, you know, nurses and we've even seen police officers and nurses screaming at people in the street, you're killing people. If they're out, this whole ignorance is just profound, but it's, it, they're all brainwashed in, in our soaps that are on the TV. Incidentally, I don't watch mainstream TV, but my kids do. And uh, it would be have all these soap operas. And in the storylines is someone's getting measles, someone's getting the flu. So they incorporate it in to all of it. So what you have is um, all of the media is pushing it all, all the time in the kids' faces. And, and like they, they have this whole campaign for almost a year in the newspapers, one in a thousand children dies of measles, which is a completely fraudulent lie. But the media is allowed to print it. So, you know, I, I stated that on, on radio, it's a lie. And I said, come and sue me, refute the irrefutable, you're lying. So the people are reading that and they, and most people, well, they don't understand how to read studies. They don't understand how to read p-values or what's peer reviewed. So they're getting most of their education from the TV and the media the newspapers where 70% of the advertising budget comes from pharmaceutical companies. So the whole agenda is for one way. Okay, so let's talk about what politically is going on in Europe, because Americans think it couldn't happen here. But really, we are seeing 
evidence of a very emboldened uh, police state here. We are not seeing anywhere near the extent that you've told me about or that I've watched your videos and and you talk about, you know, people being pulled out of their homes. Would you talk to us about what's going on specifically in Europe? And if you have any, you know, specific comments to North Americans, knowing what you know about our situation, I'd love to hear it. First of all, we had this, it's, uh, one has to remember that totalitarianism doesn't happen overnight. It never does. It's a gradual, gradual breakdown and removal of your civil rights. So that's actually been happening for quite a while. And so what happened, everyone was told to stay home and only those who were essential workers were allowed to go to work. But of course, the essential workers, were, it's ridiculous. You can go to a supermarket, but you can't, you can't go to the hairdressers. Apparently, you know, you can go and shop it for food and that's, that's okay. And then we had um, certain children were allowed to go to school if they, were the, if they were the children belonging to police officers and nurses. So you either can catch it or you can't. It, so that's ridiculous in itself that it was discriminating against your occupation and the police were then removing uh, people from parks putting fines on people i've seen police officers screaming in people's faces and one also has to remember and again this goes down to not knowing your rights that you know the, the police are citizens in uniform and they're not members of a disciplined hierarchy operating just for the government's command. But in some parts of our country, the police have been trying to stop people from doing things like traveling to take exercise in the open country, you know, taking their dogs to walk in the countryside, which are not contrary to the regulations there, simply because ministers have said that they would prefer us not to. So the police have got no power whatsoever to enforce the preference of ministers. You see the police um are, are getting uh, and the nurses as well you know the the hospitals everybody that had treatment planned or treatment booked or operations booked it was all cancelled and we were told that the hospitals were bowing under the pressure of all these covid patients a complete lie the hospitals are empty and the um the nurses are um they're at, you know they're told they're heroes heroes for doing what i'm a nurse um they're they're doing their job which they were paid to do and now lots of nurses have told me that they're playing cards they're playing board games. It's really quiet. Nurses that are zero hours contract aren't working. We have quiet hospitals. We have the police on the streets, literally screaming at people, um, slapping fines on people, moving a man with his children on his front garden, told to, you know, it's a communal garden. You can't be there. Go inside. It's ridiculous. And uh, people are scared, not knowing their rights. And, um, and now people are losing their jobs. They have no money. People are using food banks. And then we have this letter, which came from the Prime Minister, on very high-grade paper, cost five million, I believe, um, telling everyone that, it, first of all, he mentioned the coronavirus, the uh, COVID-19 and the disease. He gave it three different titles, said that things were going to get much worse. And he's urging us to um, stay home. He, he actually said, you must stay home. Well, that's not law. It's not law that you must stay home. Um, it's, on, it's illegal. They're... Um, they're abusing the, the rights that we gave them as the citizens when we voted them in. And so um, we're told we, we can't even do things like go to the tip. So now you have uh, people walking this six foot apart and they started to talk about people might be able to go back to work if they wear masks. Well, there's no scientific evidence that it stops you getting anything. Also, nanoparticles of virus will go straight through a mask. Uh, and they're now saying that uh, the schools might not open till September. And because children get it as well, they've also said that, uh, what was the other thing that they were saying I was reading today about 
term. They might not stop lockdown until it was in the hundreds that were getting coronavirus. Well, thousands die of the flu every year. We don't shut the world down for that. And the, the va- they're all calling for the vaccine to come out. And there's this test, the test that's already uh, been shown to be contaminated today. So you have a lot of people really scared because they're listening to Bill Gates. Bill Gates was on the BBC saying we wouldn't be able to travel or come out of lockdown without this virus. I mean, he's not a member of parliament. He's not a lawyer. He's not a medic. But again, people are scared. People are grassing on their neighbours. People are turning on each other. But then the worst thing for me is the nurses. They, many of them are very narcissistic, doing all these dance videos, writing terrible things on Facebook pages. I've seen them calling the, the public idiots if they're out. And these nurses really need to get their heads out of the sand and get educating themselves on what a virus is and that you can't catch a virus. They need to get educating themselves on how you would actually heal a body instead of just following the narrative. Talk a little bit about that you can't catch a virus because this I have found confuses lay people. You're a medical professional. I think that most people think that the virus is a living thing. Let's talk about that and let's talk about the germ theory of disease versus the terrain theory. Okay, so first of all, a virus is a dead protein structure. It doesn't have a respiratory center. It doesn't have a digestive center. It's a dead protein structure. They're inside the body. You have about um, 300,000 of them. And this is how the Gerson therapy works, interestingly. So when your body is toxic, and this is also cyclical, the body is cyclical, just like the leaves fall off the trees in autumn and they grow again in the spring. We are living matter. The trees are living matter. It's the same thing. We are cyclical in our clear outs. So when you're really toxic, your body will activate two to three viruses, which are exosomes, to come out of the cell to stop the cell membrane being breached by these toxins. And it will literally soak them up and it has a lock on it. And then that will head off down to other cells that have a particular key for that lock. And they're often your immune cells. You only ever release two to three of these specific types for specific parts of the cell at any one time. If you released more than that, you would literally be overwhelmed and possibly die. It's your body's response to the uh, exosomes coming out of the cell, which creates that runny nose, the cough, the sore throats, the sickness, the diarrhea, the high temperature. So that is exactly what an exosome is. So when you um, are then amongst, there is a theory that when you breathe out those exosomes, are you actually helping herd immunity? So, so there's something, nature doesn't make a mistake like that. You know, we were created, we've come this far with good immunities and uh, that's where you cannot catch a virus. So when you, when you see groups of children getting it, um, it's when you're all toxic and in an environment together. So when the baby comes you know, the baby's delivered. It has some immunity from the mother and then it will, ha- it will have antibodies from the mother and then it will continue to breastfeed for two years and then it keeps mixing with other children and other family members. And your immunity is then kind of built by the time you're about 18 or 20. Um, <clears throat> so all of this about we don't have any immunity when we're born and you need to vaccinate a child is complete tosh. And one of the things that um, by, by doing that, you also introduce aluminium into the body which hyperstimulates the immune system and also destroys a certain part of that immune response. So it, what happens is the body ramps up the second part of that and you see a thing called cytos- like cytokine storm and the person will die. So this whole thing about uh, COVID-19, you can't catch COVID-19 unless it's been injected into you. Um, you know, it would have to be that they've put it into something or they're going to put it into something. Um, and I was looking at one study where they looked at the exosome and COVID-19, the exosome under a microscope, and they were identical. 
they have the same uh, ACE2 receptor, they have the same size, the same diameters. So this is complete foolery that's going on. It's like a massive false flag. Yeah, we're going to have, I think we're going to have uh, Dr. Andrew Kaufman on the show to talk about the the human exosome versus the virus because they are molecularly identical. And no one has no one has put this virus to Koch's postulates. Nobody has applied that. There's been no scientific rigor whatsoever. And what does that suggest to you about the authenticity of this as a as a legitimate pandemic? The fact that we haven't even used any science to apply to this virus? Well, it's not a pandemic. You only have to look at how many people have died. It isn't a pandemic. It's as simple as that. They can't call it a pandemic when it's not a pandemic. Well, now everybody in America has been told that you guys have it so much worse over there in in Europe. And we've we've you know, the mainstream media is telling us that you have far more deaths per capita over there. And that's what justifies the really advanced police state that you've got over there as well. What do you think the real risk of the virus is here? Because even my even my followers who are who are plugged into my content, um, many of them are very afraid of it. And some of it's because they're older or they have autoimmune issues and they feel like they're vulnerable. What do you, you know, put a put a finer point on what you think the legitimate risk is? Because my understanding is we're at about 0.128% of the earth population that have even been affected by the virus or will be. Well, first of all, Everyone, the World Health Organization said anyone entering hospital has to be diagnosed with COVID until proven otherwise. So the test for that, that they came up with, had an 80% false positive. That would mean that 80% of the people tested with it were test positive, but never ever have any signs or symptoms that they'd had it, never. And it wouldn't affect their health whatsoever. They've not actually had it. So you have people going into hospital, they're all diagnosed with COVID, no matter what they go in with. Um, they often do it based on just symptoms or, or they've done this fictitious test. So I've had lots of people contacting me, relatives where their relatives have died of a heart attack or they've died of cancer and they've put the cause of death down as COVID-19. Okay, because we we assume that that's the CDC here in the US and there's, you know, they they've actually published, if you even suspect it's COVID, call it a COVID hospitalization. They also get reimbursed at higher levels, but you're saying it's also the World Health Organization. You're saying that they are also encouraging this. They get reimbursed. So, um, so you have, um, and I've had nurses come and tell me stuff on the quiet. So what you have is, I don't see anywhere busy. I don't know anyone personally, or, and I've got thousands on my page that live in the UK. Nobody's coming to me and saying, I've had the test. I've got all the symptoms and I've got it. Nobody. So we've got nurses going, oh, we're really busy. Really? Where's that then? And uh, I'm busy with what? You know, I had a, a lady contact me and uh, her mother went in. She'd fallen off the sofa, an elderly lady. And they said, oh, she's got a slight temperature. She's got COVID. We're going to have to admit her. I mean, most of the population in the winter, spring months will have a temperature at some time in a couple of months because that's how your immunity works. So I don't see anything like that. I live 50 miles outside London. It's as quiet as anything. Everyone's telling me all the hospitals are quiet. So this is just a pandemic. And uh, we, we have thousands of people. I believe it's something like 10,000 people a month die in nursing homes of old age. So this about pandemic, uh, you know, back it's in pandemic, pandemic, I'm not seeing any evidence of it. And um, then we'll hear the nurses, uh, you know, every Thursday night, everyone has to go out and clap for the nurses because they're heroes. And, uh, and it was just a couple of years ago that the government was slamming them and wouldn't give them any extra pay. But um, I, I don't know whether you're aware, Robin, just for your listeners, might be worth you looking at. If you go and look at the 2012 opening ceremony to the Olympics in London, have you seen it? I have seen it. Yep. Tell us about it. So what you see is you see all the hospital beds being rolled out and they've all got children in them. And then you see the nurses and the doctors all dancing 
They're all dancing all the way through. And then all of a sudden, you'll see these black creatures crawling across the stage. You then see a Chinese woman standing up and a carriage with something black in it being driven across the stage. Then you see a great big black figure like the, um, the Grim Reaper being pulled up into the sky with a syringe in his hand, a real ghoulish figure. Then you see the modern, uh, sorry, the old characters from the stories that used to take the children coming onto the stage. Then you see a man sitting up in the bed that looks like the Lord Mayor of London. Well, of course, that's what Boris Johnson was with blonde, messy hair. And then you see all the nurses starting to go into robotic dancers like they're robots. And the children are all, um, the children are all going to be taken. You see a child being taken by this big ghoul character with the syringe. <clears throat> and as the camera goes away from the stadium, the lights in the stadium make it look like a coronavirus. I mean, I'm sorry, but that's so in your face. If you can't see that. And also, you know, the Madonna, Madonna, that singer, uh, when she did the um, Eurovision Song Contest and her, her song, Not All of Us Are Going To Make It, it was the same thing. The children were in gas masks. They were all falling down and being dead. And she was, she was going up, there was all fire everywhere. And then she was ascending up some steps as though to heaven. Sorry, when you put all of that together, with what's the new look, the new acts through parliament. And, um, you know, all of a sudden there's this new vaccine, which Bill Gates, I did a spoof video incidentally on the Bill Gates vax headquarters. I don't know whether you saw it. And, uh, and uh, you know, there's a new vaccine. We're going to have it ready in 18 months. Now I, I do a lot of research on a lot of these companies like acigen.com where they take viruses, mold, fungus, aborted fetal tissue, DNA and they splice it all and do genetically modified stuff with it, which is really Frankenstein stuff. And so for them to suddenly say, oh, we've got a vaccine in eight, 18 months, it's going to cut some safety corners. No vaccine's safe. How many more corners do they want to cut? Why not just put pure mercury in there? But um, you've got these vaccines now coming out and the people are literally being brainwashed. And what they're being told is, I think they've just announced that in Australia actually as well, that if, if the people will, you know, do as they're told, they'll open the pubs. So people are, are getting ground down to the floor, losing their jobs. They've been told 10% of the population minimum is going to be unemployed. The economy of 2019 won't recover for at least a minimum of three years, and it's going to take 10 years of uh, taxpayers' money to get it back to where it was. So the people are being literally ground down to the floor to the point where they'll expect accept everything without question. And so you talk a lot about you, you try to help people rise up and speak up and refuse to do things that are unconstitutional. And of course, your laws are different in England than we have here in the United States. But I've seen Americans be very slow to question authority. And there's there's just starting to be more like marches on the Capitol, uh, people who just go back and they open their business and they stand out in front with with media microphones in their face and say, this is my right to earn a living. I, I receive no due process of law here to have my business shut. So there's starting to be a few people who are really brave like that. But you've been very courageous out there. I know that you've been uh, censored. You're not allowed to do a Facebook Live for 30 days with Facebook right now. Talk a little bit about, um, secondarily, your censorship and what you're experiencing there. But but one of my favorite things about the message that you go out there with, you're more bold than almost anyone I've seen, is what are 
people's rights. Did they have a right to tell us we could we could not run our businesses, that we could not go to our jobs, that we have essential and non-essential people? Talk about rights. Well, they haven't. They've um, done this on a computer, a computer program. They then came out and said, even before the lockdown, that they'd overestimated by a huge amount. And, and then, they, you know, when Boris sent his letter out, he said, you must stay home. That's a preference. And you can't then say um, essential work is going to the supermarket and taking your dog a walk and going for one, one short um, exercise a day and telling you it's got to be near your home. I mean, if you think about that logically, it doesn't make any difference whether you're near your home or in a wood. It doesn't matter. And also, um, if that is essential just to go to the supermarket and medical, please tell me why it is essential to lay cables and put 5G phone towers everywhere, 5G masts everywhere. That is not essential at all. And if they're so concerned that um, this is all about um, making sure that we stay healthy and we don't get this deadly pandemic, that apparently um, everyone that gets this this virus that's in parliament or the royal family or a celebrity, they get a mild version. But the public who you never get to find out or read their blood results or see their chest x-rays or anything else, they get a deadly. So it's all absolute rubbish. It's either black or it's white. I don't like gray areas. If you're gonna throw science at it, then use the science. I mean, science studies have shown that you're more likely to catch it in your house with your family than doing this bizarre social distancing. And that by keeping everyone in the homes, they're actually reducing herd immunity. So you either use science and quote it or you don't. So this is a completely illegal, unlawful lockdown. And people should get off their knees, get outside in numbers and go, we're going back to work. And then that will be their plan to fail because this, this is phase one. And, and if people don't rise up now, phase two is going to come very quickly. And phase two will be, without a doubt, mandatory vaccinations. It will be a microchip. It will be that they take away all your, your properties and that you don't own anything. It will be a cashless society. And very quickly, we're going to slope down into the Bill Gates, as he said it so many times, that vaccinations will control the population. Now, if a vaccination is for the health, why would you say control the population? And we have the, uh, the World Health Organization statement for 2020 was mandatory vaccinations, vaccinate the world. No one will be left behind. That's quite a dark statement. No one will be left behind. And, and then ID2020 was about microchipping everyone. So these are all pushing everyone into a, a brave new world, a utopian style society where you live our way or you don't live at all. And, and we can see that happening and people are foolish that they think that everything's going to go back to normal. They've had their mortgages, uh, mortgage holidays for three months. They don't realize that, you know, when that three months is up, next comes on top of your payments, all the insurance, uh, sorry, all the interest. They don't realize that um, I tried to buy a lot of seeds the other day. It's running out. Um, you know, the, the supermarkets, I had a um, she was an ex-member of a political party. She was telling me, and I have no reason to disbelieve her, that they are printing ration books. I can see that happening. So what, what you have is um, you have everybody literally living as dependent children. You know, our water, our gas, our electricity, uh, our food. Um, you know, if the supermarket stores, when they started to empty, when people panicked, 
it literally would be 24 hours and there was everything ran out. So people are art of war, the art of war, control the food, control the people. So people are being penned like sheep into a pen in the corner. And there's only one thing about tyrannical leaders. It's not the tyrannical leaders that take over. It's the people allowing the tyranny and not rising up against it that allow it in. You know, I'm not sure how many Americans even know that Boris Johnson, like the headline said that he was in the hospital with COVID-19. I am going to run a a Facebook poll on this. I wonder how many of them know that he never had COVID-19 and that his his test result was negative. Today in the press, it said that he was he was a little bit breathless and leaning over the podium. So in my little newsreel, I said, if he's leaning over the podium and breathless, get him on a lockdown then. Get him in his home and lock him down. And, you know, the other thing while I was at it was, here he is, the pillar of British society, wanting everything to be terribly British. And uh, let's bring back good old British values and all, all, you know, stand together. And I don't want to offend anyone when I say this. And I'm not, I'm not you know, judging anyone here. But he's just had a child out of wedlock. You know, if, if you're going to then stand there and preach about, you know, us being thoroughly British and... British establishment, then marry your baby mama, set a standard and uh, don't stand and preach to me. I'm not interested. Um, You know, they're all fat cats, all going to work and getting paid. And if he was sick, this is the other thing. In all my nursing career and when I've been sick, the one thing I can tell you about people with flu is they can't eat. They're too unwell. And if you're breathless, you can't eat because just chewing food makes you out of breath. That man is as fat today on the podium as what he was before his um, pandemic um, diagnosis. He hasn't dropped a pound. So he must be the only person I know that can manage to eat his way through the flu. Okay, so now everyone knows, if you didn't know before, Boris Johnson never had COVID-19, even though that was a very popular headline for about a week. Let's set the record straight there. So let's end with some hope and some empowerment. How do... Europeans stand up to this? What do you recommend Americans do? How do we avoid, uh, as they have control over our, you know, power, water, food, fuel, all of it? How do we stand up to this? And how do we unite to stand up to this better? Well, it's a little bit, there's two points to that. Um, You know, it's a a psychological, well, three points, psychological, spiritual, and physical. Um, It's like in an abusive relationship, you don't lose your, you don't get abused overnight. It's like a trip, a dripping tap. It's slow. And you've got to remember every single civil liberty that you give away. So every little piece of power that you give away, tomorrow there'll be another demand. The next day, another demand. It's like a blackmailer. You give into one demand, the next day there'll be a greater demand. So it's not, not letting it get to that stage. We've had announced today that they're hoping to um, employ lots more police officers. Well, why? The streets are quiet. Is that because they're bringing in a police state? So the people need to rise now. Don't let it get to that point. Switch off your TV. Don't look in the newspapers. This is a wag the dog scenario. This is propaganda. Remember the CIA for many, many years have incorporated all these stories in movies. They've done it deliberately to socially condition you into accepting things, to accept it and not to see it as wrong. And uh, so turn off your TV. Don't believe any of that. And don't be fearful because if you have faith as well, and I'm a Christian, um, God, for me, God oversees all of this, all of it. This is the devil's picnic. 
Everyone has moved away from looking at God and what is right and just. And remember the laws of the land are God's laws. Um, <clears throat> going back, you know, the 10 laws, even the law, if you're caught murdering someone and there's witness, then you, your life is taken for it. So it, when we go back to God and God's laws, that's what God wants us to do. Look back and have faith because this is a spiritual war and nothing can really hurt us. The battle's been won. This is the devil's play. All of those people that are involved with this and anyone who's following me, um, you know, a lot of these people that are, that are running the show here in the UK, Sage and Chris Whitty. And when Chris Whitty was working elsewhere, Bill Gates gave him a load of money for it. These people are all connected. They all have shares in pharmaceutical companies. They've all taken money here, there and everywhere. Our government has been involved with Chinese Communist Party businesses. This is all going on underhand. And then the other very dark thing is pedophilia is all involved, devil worship, satanic stuff. So you have to stay out of all of that dark, dark, low threshold, low resonance frequencies. Don't be fearful. Don't be sad. Don't be panic stricken. Those emotions actually cause you to release exosomes from your cells and make you sick. That's why anxiety makes you sick. It drops your immunity. You have to move away from that. Remember, we have authority on this earth. God gave us authority on this earth. And so act in authority, take back your authority. Say, we're not having this. There are how many people on the planet? 7.5 billion people. I have people following me from Pakistan and they've got it a lot worse. You know, the police batter them there. And then I was just reading that Imran Khan, I just want to throw this one in. Imran Khan's just accepted loads of money from Bill Gates and he's having Bill Gates into Pakistan and he's thanking him for all the polio vaccines and everything else. Imran Khan married Jemima Goldsmith. And her father is one of that Illuminati, those families, those Illuminati, those top families, the goldsmiths. They are all in bed and toe-sucking with one another. He's not married to her now, but it doesn't matter. He was a cricketer. He was a cricketer. And now he's the head of the whole of Pakistan and in bed with Bill Gates. We have to stand up to these people because we far outnumber them. And we don't need to use force, but what we should use is our laws, our laws of this land to take them down. And we only need to take a few of them down. It's like a brick wall. Pull out a few bricks from the middle and the whole lot will crumble. So we need to stand up for our rights. We need to find, find barristers that will take it on. You know, um, prove, because like you've said, there's science that completely refutes the evidence that they're portraying for this lockdown, this unlawful lockdown. Find a barrister. Remember the ones that are all in power now are as corrupt as the rest of them. And the good thing about genocide is it has no time limit on it. They can be found guilty of genocide many, 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 many years down the road. If you're a nurse or a doctor watching this and you are seeing what's going on and you're not speaking out, you're complicit in this. You're complicit and you have blood on your hands. You have a duty for your patients to all of us. And remember, as we're told, protect the NHS. Nurses and doctors, you are not there to be hero worshipped, you are there to provide a service for us, the public. That is what is there for. It is a vocation. You went into it to help us. So if you are complicit in the lies and the tyranny, then blood is on your hands. You have a duty to your fellow man to speak up. 
and God is watching. Very well said. And of course, you can get away with saying that because you are a nurse and have spent many years in the medical field. I feel like with these nurses out there calling us idiots and get, telling us that conditions are terrible, but it won't give us any information about it. I mean, I understand the whole HIPAA thing. And I believe that there is a hospital here and there that has quite a few people in the emergency room. We certainly haven't had the, the overflow. We had temporary hospitals set up here everywhere from Seattle to Nashville to Central Park, never saw a single patient, any of them. They, FEMA packed them up and took them away to wherever they came from. But, I, you know, I feel like with nurses and doctors, um, more humility would, would be helpful because guess what? You're still employed while 50 million Americans and probably lots of Europe is not. And I guess over in England, I've heard you say, Kate, that, that nurses are being offered a, a a daily bonus. So they're being it's blood and silence money. And you've got you've got they have preferential shopping, free parking. Now you've got the hotels coming out offering food for key workers. And I saw a policewoman on a horse, nice big fat horse with a big fat bottom parked on the horse, getting her coffee. I think it was a woman. Well you can't say policewoman anymore. You've got to say police officer. It's politically incorrect. She's whoever that was on the horse, they didn't look like they were short of carrying a few extra pounds. And they were going up and getting their free food from the hotel. Disgusting. If you want to do a good service, these hotels, go and feed the people that are having to use food banks because they can't feed their families. And then we had some member of the royal family helping to make the lunches for the staff on the front lines. Shame on that person. She needed to get down the royal palace and make some butties and go around the places where the people have got no food. It's disgusting. And you're right, they are in a job. And what they're doing is that same thing where they think they're okay. I've, I actually heard one of my neighbors say it didn't affect them because they were okay, because they have money. One way to see what's gonna happen in the future is to look back through history. And in Germany, the very rich Jews left when they found out what was happening. Many of them got out, some of them didn't. The ones that couldn't get out or chose not to didn't believe it, they lost their lives. And first of all, they came for the socialists, what's the saying? Next they came, I did nothing. Next they came for the communists, I did nothing. So those people who think it's all right for them just now, the police, the nurses, because they're working and they're getting money so it doesn't affect them, that's going to affect you big time soon because you're frontline key workers and that vaccine's coming for you first. And they're foolish enough, lots of them, to accept it. Lots of them won't want it. And 5G doesn't discriminate. It will fry everybody. It is a, it, it absorbs oxygen, so it, it doesn't go through it, it absorbs it, so it becomes a noxious gas, and it will kill everyone. And so for all those nurses working in those 5G-soaked environments, when that's ranked up, and you have that vaccine with all those heavy metals, you're going to act like an antenna. And for the police who sit with the radios next to their necks, which also massively increase your cancer risk, you're going to be soaked in it as well, and you're frontline workers. So eventually... It affects all of us. So unless you unite with us and we are one, we can't overcome this tyranny. Together in numbers is safety. Safety in numbers. These old phrases should tell you. But this is the problem. People are so selfish now. It's all about them. We had an old woman fell over in a supermarket car park and apparently no one helped her, not one person. Shame on them. Because God is watching and he always collects his debts. The one person I fear is God. God decides when I die, no one else. He'll decide when I die. So I have no fear to speak out because I know what's coming. 
Well, thank you so much for all this wisdom about what's going on over in Europe. For those of us who are, have been very curious about that, I've been uh, very excited to talk to you and and learn what you're experiencing over there. Where can people follow you? Because you're doing value bombs, truth bombs all over the place. Well, I'm, I'm on Instagram, Kate Shamarani, Natural Nurse of Toxic World. I'm on Facebook, same title. I'm on Twitter. Twitter, I've just joined and it's growing quickly. Instagram's growing quickly, but my main is on Facebook. I have two pages, Natural Nurse in a Toxic World, and I have my main page, which is Kate Shamarani. I have got a Brighton account, which I'm about to sort out. I do have a website that's been built, but it's not finished yet because my lady that's doing it, she believes the whole narrative. Um, I just, I just want to say to people, you know, don't believe what you're being told. We're not overrun with deaths here at all. When they say, you know, we are 15 times greater than Berlin for death rates, that's because everybody that comes in, broken arm, broken neck, you know, past gas, trapped gas, everyone's getting diagnosed with it. It's, it's all lies. And uh, this is all propaganda from all over the world. That's all it is. And uh, don't be fooled by it. But certainly we're a small country with um, police that are really acting. Many of them illegally. A lot of them are good, but they, they need to really be taught. I don't even think the police even know their, their rights sometimes and the laws. They just don't because I've seen them acting in certain ways. Um, but be very careful. That's my last thing. Be very careful that you, you give away your power and you idolize a president and idolize your, your politicians in your states and you, you put all the police on a pedestal and you give away your civil liberties. And the very act of not speaking out means you acquiesce, it means you consent. And that is the law of the land. If you don't speak out, it means you consent to it. It's a tacit agreement to your death. Perfect place to end. Thank you so much for that. Everyone, I hope you speak up, be brave like Nurse Kate. And Kate, I know we're, we're, we've got you much later in the day. Thank you so much for staying up, even with your cold. Um, appreciate you so much. Keep on keeping on. Thank you. Thank you.